Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Three, two, one. But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR Welcome icon, Dale Earnhardt five. Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. The podcast is Here. America. September 27th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody's ready for a fun, quick episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. So today, as I just said, as your calendar and your phone says, it's Tuesday. Monday, yesterday, it was actually the first day of college basketball practices across the country. And so I know this time of year, most of you just want football, 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 football. But we are officially six weeks away from the start of college basketball season. And we are going to give you, I'm going to give you my 10 biggest storylines going into college basketball this year. More of a refresher, kind of get your brain going. Oh yeah, college hoops is coming. We'll discuss that on this show. Then we'll wrap, you know, I'll I'll do that, by the way, in two parts, give you a little bit of a break. So the first segment isn't crazy long. And then from there, we will switch gears back to football, where yet another Power 5 head coach is gone. Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. He was officially fired on Monday, probably about a year or two too late. But regardless, I want to talk about the job. You know, it's one of those, oh, they're in, the, they're in Atlanta. They should be awesome. It's complicated. It's interesting. We're going to discuss Georgia Tech, who are realistic candidates and who are not. Before we get started, a couple quick things. One, I tell you, our presenting sponsor, the Bedfred Sportsbook, when I tell you they got a great deal for you, they got an unbelievable offer. First of all, I've told you their story. 1967 started in the UK, one of the most reliable, trustworthy sportsbooks overseas. They have come to the US, made a huge splash, as I've told you many times, the gambling sponsor of the Denver Broncos, of the Colorado Rockies, and of the Cincinnati Bengals. And so I've told you for a while now, I said, Betfred does more for their betters than anybody in the market. Well, here's a deal for you people. So I I know I can see analytics on who downloads this show and from where. We have a ton of listeners in Kentucky, in Ohio, and in Tennessee. And Betfred, as I said, they are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, guess what? They have two free tickets to Thursday night football in Cincinnati this week. They are giving them away 
All you got to do, follow Betfred Sports, exactly how it sounds, B-E-T-F-R-E-D Sports, to be entered to win. They will give you the details there. I retweeted and shared the details from my account. But when I tell you they're just giving stuff away, they are just giving stuff away. So uh, Betfred Sportsbook, Betfred Sportsbook app is our presenting sponsor. They are giving away two tickets, Thursday night football in Cincinnati. Make sure to check that out uh, really quickly. Also want to thank Bracket Fanatics, our other, uh, another great sponsor of ours. They are bringing you the NFL Pick'em Challenge, the Aaron Torres NFL Pick'em Challenge. Week three is officially done, but here's the great part. It is not too late to enter. We have $100 weekly cash prizes. We'll tell you who won week three here in the coming days, but week three is done. It's not too late to enter. Enter for week four. You're automatically entered to win $100 cash prizes. Of course, you got to get the most picks right. And we have a season-long $1,000 cash prize to the person that gets the most correct picks. So go to BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. The Bracket is Torres. Make sure to get signed up before Thursday night's game. We got a fun one. As I just said, it's in Cincinnati. Miami versus Cincinnati. We'll see if Tua versus Burrow ends up happening. Tua got banged up on Sunday. But great deal from Bedfred. Also, Bracket Fanatics, we appreciate them. They are, of course, again, presenting the Aaron Torres NFL Pick'em Challenge. Not too late to sign up for the season. With that said, let's get to the topic of the day. By the way, I should mention, I told you at the end of Monday's episode, I am getting a new mic. I know some of you have said, oh, the sound isn't as good as it used to be. I'm working on it. Give me patience. Give me time. I should have a new mic by the end of the week. But with that said, for the second time, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is that by technicality, college college basketball sort of technically started on Monday. Now, it's different than it was even five, 10 years ago. You can practice during the summer, but Monday was the official day you could start full steam ahead for the season ahead. And for people who are just kind of dusting off the cobwebs when it comes to college hoops, uh, we are six weeks away from the start of the season. I cannot believe how quickly it's coming and it is going to be here before we know it. And so what I want to do today is, you know, we've done so much football. I want to take a step back, take a deep breath. And what I want to do, I want to talk a little college basketball with the 10 biggest storylines, six weeks away, practices beginning. What better time to get you ready for the season ahead than by talking storylines for college basketball? As I said, allow you to kind of dust off the cobwebs, get you kind of get that brain refocused on everything that happened. So let's talk about it. My 10 biggest storylines, we'll do five now, break them up, come back and do five more. The number one college basketball storyline, drumroll please. I think you probably maybe know what it is. It is to me, the simple question of this, can North Carolina finish the job? And I think we all remember back to last year, but for those of you who do not remember, North Carolina, year one of the Huber Davis era, it was a bumpy road out of the gate, okay? Early in the season, this team really, really, really struggled. They got smoked by Kentucky in Vegas. They got smoked by Tennessee at Mohegan Sun. They lost to Purdue. They got smoked by Miami early in the uh, ACC portion of play. Got smoked by Wake Forest. And everybody kind of gave up on North Carolina about midway through the year, myself included. It is kind of funny in hindsight. People say, oh, you know, how could people be so critical of Hubert Davis? Well, they weren't very good. And he inherited and returned a lot of talent 
from the previous year when Roy Williams was the head coach. And so I think anybody that criticized UNC was justified. And as a matter of fact, I know they were justified because Hubert Davis at the final four said we deserved all of the flack that we got in the middle of the year. But to his credit, it took time. He got the guys to buy in. And over the final two months of the season, they were awesome. They go on a run. They finished 13 and three over the final two months of the season. I think we all remember they beat Duke at Cameron and coach K's final home game. They beat Duke in the final four to end coach K's career. But what was crazy about that run, they did ultimately fall short in the national championship game to Kansas rock chalk, Jayhawk, your national champions. But when it was all said and done, something very interesting happened. They basically returned their entire team from last year. Now they did lose Brady Manick, the, the big wing uh, shooter kid with the long hair, white guy from Oklahoma, the transfer from Oklahoma. But thanks in large part to NIL, they return a ton of talent from last year's team. Armando Baycott, I think it's easy to forget this. He was the runner up for the ACC player of the year. And when you talk about a guy that just was dominant in the NCAA tournament, I don't remember a player doing what he did in the tournament the way that he did it. 15 points, 15 rebounds, playing on a bad ankle against Kansas. 11 points, 21 rebounds against Duke. 20 points, 22 rebounds against, uh, against St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. And so that guy comes back. R.J. Davis, of course, the, the kind of combo guard who kind of took over point guard duties comes back. And then the big one, uh, Caleb Love, second leading scorer, 16 points per game. The guy who really blew up in the NCAA tournament. He announces late that he is coming back as well. And North Carolina got the band back together. A team that was one, you know, one game away from winning a national championship returns four of its top five scores, five of its top seven scores, and four starters. Oh, by the way, also the one spot where they did not return a starting player, they had Pete Nance, a very talented transfer from Northwestern. And so going into this year, I'll be honest, listen, I, I know the Betfred Sportsbook actually does not have North Carolina as its favorite. They have Gonzaga and Houston. We'll talk about both those teams in a minute as co-favorites. I think North Carolina should be the favorite. They return a ton. Those guys bought into Hubert Davis. And I think more importantly, when you have that many guys come back, when you have that many guys give up money at the professional level, and I know they're making money in college now, but when you have that many guys bought in, what it means to me is they are coming back with one goal and one mission that is to win a national championship. Can they finish the job, get back to the final four and ultimately win it? We will find out. But to me, that is the biggest story in college basketball coming into the year. I don't know if it's by far, but to me, it's certainly one of the two or three biggest. Number two, let's just stay on Tobacco Road. And I just mentioned Coach K lost his final regular season game as head coach. Coach K lost in the final four to North Carolina. And so North Carolina will forever have bragging rights over Coach K. But now, for the first time since the 19, I think, 79-80 season, we have a new head coach at Duke. Think about that. Since 1979-80, some of you probably have parents that weren't even born in 79-80, or at the very least, you weren't born. Your parents were probably, you were just a twinkle in the eye of your parents Duke has a new head coach in John Shire. And a couple quick thoughts here. One, I'm not going to do the, you know, criticize Duke and blah, 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 blah. And as a matter of fact, I'll actually take the opposite approach. I know everybody, myself included, we did kind of make fun of the whole um, retirement tour last year with Coach K. But as I've said a few times now, 
it actually worked out very nicely for Duke because what it allowed Coach K to do was stay back with his team in Durham last summer, not this past summer, but the summer before, Paolo Bancaro, A.J. Griffin, all those guys, allows him to be with the team, spend time with them, and then it allowed John Shire to go on the road and recruit and go ahead and lock up what ended up being the number one class in the country. And oh, by the way, I know everybody's going to say, oh, obviously Coach K was really recruiting. Well, he wasn't at recruiting events. Now, I can't say what he said or did not say once the kids got to campus, but he did not recruit two summers ago. But John Shire was allowed to focus on recruiting. He put he signed the number one class in high school basketball last year. Uh, three basically top five players in that class. Kyle Filipowski, big man. Derek Lively, a seven foot two center that reminds me a lot of Willie Cauley Stein, formerly of Kentucky. Derek Whitehead, who unfortunately is out to injury. Um, and it really put Duke in a great position. They also, on top of signing that number one class, they return uh, Jeremy Roach, who was really good last year uh, as the starting point guard. Really, he elevated his game. That was when Duke kind of went to the next level late in the year, went on that final four run. And finally, I'll say this, man. Listen, I don't know if John Shire is going to be good. I don't know if he's not going to be good. Nobody knows. I do give him credit for one thing, though. I thought he really, this offseason, put his own stamp on the Duke basketball program. And here's how he did it. He did it in a few different ways. One, we talked about it at the time. He hired kind of a, a couple new position, you know, you know, new coaching staff members, gets Jay Lucas from Kentucky, brings in a GM uh, from Nike to specifically handle NIL deals. But on top of that, and beyond that, I thought he did a good job around the NBA draft deadline of making sure that he did not come into this season shorthanded. Remember, that NBA draft deadline hits. Sometimes you lose key players. And he had a player in Trevor Keels that was right on the fence right up until the end. What most coaches would do, they would sit and beg and hope and plead. And when that kid ends up leaving, they would, oh, you know, the system is so this and it's not fair and we need to make the deadline earlier. He had a backup plan and a backup plan to the backup plan, okay? He went out and signed Jacob Grandison, a really talented guard from Illinois. Now, he was a little bit hurt during the offseason, so I don't know how much he was even able to practice with the team, and that is worth noting coming into the year. But this is a kid that has played big games, uh, again, was at Illinois for those back-to-back -back Big Ten championships, tournament championship in 2021, regular season championship in 2022, shot 41% from three. And then they also added another five-star late, a kid named Tyrese Proctor from Australia, who was committed for the class of 2023, enrolled a year early. So I give John Shire credit. He's got a loaded roster, loaded team. And the thing is, we're going to find out really early how good he is, right? They obviously play uh, Kansas in the Champions Classic in what will be his debut game. And then on top of that, they go to the PK-80, where I believe they could face Gonzaga when it's all said and done. Uh, they play a couple marquee games outside of that uh, in the non-conference. They do play, obviously, in the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge. And that is a game that will be interesting to kind of follow early in the season. They will host Ohio State. So we're going to find out about this team really quickly, really fascinating, really fun. I am very intrigued by this Duke team coming into this year and John Shire as Duke's new head coach. Let's keep it going. Number three, and we're going to take a quick break after five. So don't worry, I'm not just going to rant for 45 minutes straight here to lead the show. Number three is really about number nine at Kentucky. And listen, it, you know, Kentucky, I got to say, man, I don't know if there's a college sports program, forget basketball, 
where there's more stuff that just happens in the offseason than at Kentucky. And it, it's crazy because it feels like a million years ago that Kentucky lost to St. Peter's in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. And I remember coming on this show that night and saying, point blank, you know, Cal is essentially out of excuses. Cal has to get this thing turned around. And I said at the time, I said, I don't think there is anything John Calipari can do to win back this fan base until the 2023 NCAA tournament. With that said, think about everything that has happened since that St. Peter's loss. You had the announcement that Oscar Shibwe is returning, national player of the year, back to Kentucky. You had the announcement that Shaden Sharp, number one player in last year's class, enrolled early last year, never played, is leaving for the NBA without playing for a second in a Kentucky uniform. You had, obviously, I just mentioned, your top assistant go to Duke. You also had the Gonzaga stuff. You had the Mark Stoop stuff. You had everything that happened. But now we're back to where things ended in March. It's about what happens on the court. By the way, Kentucky went and took a summer tour in the Bahamas. But it's about what happens on the court. And it's about do you get Kentucky at the very least back to the Final Four, if not compete for championship number nine in the Bluegrass. And what I would say about this one is it's pretty straightforward. I don't think... I, listen, I don't know how long John Calipari plans on doing this, but he's in his early to mid-60s. I think it's hard to make the argument he's going to have a better opportunity to at least get to the final weekend, let alone win a title, than this year. One, you had the Bahamas trip, so you got some games under your belt. But two, you got the reigning national player of the year coming back in Oscar Shibway. On top of that, on top of that, you also have uh, a, a, a multi-year starter in the SEC at point guard and severe Wheeler. You have some really talented freshmen, Cason Wallace and Chris Livingston. And I'll take it a step further. You got a superstar in the making in Jacob Toppin. And it's weird to sit here and say, oh, you know, the, Kentucky's most important player is anyone other than Oscar Sheepway. I do think it's Jacob Toppin, though. This guy is bursting with potential. He was behind Keon Brooks last year, the starting power forward, and now he is going to take over. And if you watch those Bahamas games, I mean, 26, 28, 31 points, step back threes. He looks like an NBA player playing in college. And as I've said many times with him, what I love about Jacob Toppin is the fact that he played his best in games against the best competition last year. He was great against Auburn, great against LSU, great against Alabama. And I think with a big, you know, with knowing that he's the guy, knowing that he is the one that is going to have the ball in his hands and it's not going to be a, a power forward by committee or whatever you want to call it, I guess, you know, whatever. But knowing that there's nobody in front of him, I cannot wait to see what this guy does. I think he's all SEC first teamer and all over him. So excited about Jacob Toppin in year three at the University of Kentucky. Let's get to number four. Number five, we'll take a quick break. Number four, let's just stay with the rest of the SEC because this to me, listen, I don't know if it's better than the Big 12. Big 12 is really good. Kansas, Baylor, TCU is going to be good this year. Texas is interesting. Oklahoma's good. Texas Tech is good. Every team in the Big 12 is good. Iowa State made the Sweet 16 last year. This is the best that the SEC has ever been, and it's certainly the most intriguing. Outside of Kentucky, we have Arkansas, who's its own separate topic. So we're going to save that for part two. You have Alabama, won the regular season two years ago, struggled this past year. And when I say struggled, this is how bad it was at Alabama. And I'm using bad in air quotes. They got a six seed in the NCAA tournament. They beat Gonzaga. They beat Houston in the regular season. Gonzaga goes to the Sweet 16, Houston to the Elite Eight. So apparently it wasn't that bad at Alabama, but they've regrouped. I really like the roster that Nate Oates has, another team 
that got a foreign tour under their belt. Auburn, Bruce Pearl is going to be really good. Janai Broom, we talked about him with Bruce Pearl over the summer. Really, really talented player. Um, you know, and I think even with the big, with, with the SEC, what's interesting to me is even the bad teams are interesting. And even the, 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 the teams that have new coaches kind of hit the ground running, right? Because it used to be you get a new coach, unless it's John Calipari, who's got two McDonald's All-Americans, three McDonald's All-Americans committed to the last place. It's a slow build. Well, now with the portal, it ain't got to be that way anymore. Florida with Todd Golden. I call him young Sheldon boy wonder. Remember, this was a guy that, uh, you know, 36, 37 years old, led San Francisco to a, a uh, NCAA tournament bid last year. Very analytically inclined, all that stuff. I bring it up because he's at Florida and they killed in the portal. Will Richard from Davidson. Um, or Belmont, excuse me. I think I said Davidson. Alex Fudge from LSU. They bring back Colin Castleton. They're interesting. LSU, friend of the Aaron Torres pod, Matt McMahon, did a great job in the offseason, had to convince 13 players to come to LSU. Remember, at one point, he had zero scholarship players. Uh, Missouri with Dennis Gates, I think, is going to be good. Mississippi State with Chris Jans is going to be good. Um, even South Carolina, which I don't think will be good. Remember, they got the kid Gigi Jackson, the number one high school player in America who reclassified. So just a fascinating league. So excited for the SEC. So excited to see who emerges, who steps back. By the way, I didn't even mention Tennessee. Rocky Top Tennessee. Those fans are going to get mad at me. Rick Barnes, say what you want about them. That is a team that is built for the regular season at the very least. They're going to be really good. Santiago Vescovi's back. Zakai Ziegler's back. Euros Plavich is back. Really excited about the SEC. I think Tennessee might end up being the best team when it's all said and done, uh, at least in the regular season. But Kentucky, Arkansas, Alabama, Auburn at the top of the league, it is going to be a war every single night. Let's get to number five, and we'll take a quick break, okay? Number five, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Is it finally the year for Gonzaga? I don't know. But say this for Mark Few. Every single year, he's got a team good enough, and then it just comes down to whether they'll do it or not. We all know from Gonzaga last year, they lose to Arkansas in the Sweet 16. They did lose their two best players off that team. Andrew Nemhard, late first round, early second round pick. I forget exactly. I think he was the first pick of the second round. And of course, Chet Holmgren, who was the number two overall pick, unfortunately did deal with an injury in summer league. But actually, I think it was at a, one of those uh, pro-ams. I take that back. It wasn't a pro-am. But Chet Holmgren, Andrew Nemhard's gone. But Drew Timmy is back. Fourth year, national player of the year candidate. One of the most decorated players, not only in college basketball, but in college basketball history coming into this season. Um, and when I look at that team, I just see a team that once again, they're going to be in the conversation. They added through the portal, Malachi Smith transfer from Chattanooga, three-point shooter. Uh, Efton Reed transfer from LSU, really good player. Uh, and the guards are going to be really good as well. Hunter Salas is back. Nolan Hickman is back. Julian Strother on the wing, I think might be their best NBA prospect. Now, I do think some of those guards got to step up. Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, it's year two. They have to make a leap for Gonzaga to be a national championship contender. And I'll also say this about Gonzaga. We're going to find out early just how good that team is. They play to open the season. They will play Michigan State on an aircraft carrier. I'm trying to go to that game. I'm trying to go to that game. We'll see if it happens. Uh, they will play Gonzaga, or they will play Kentucky, obviously in Spokane. They will play at Texas. Chris Beard is obviously the head coach there. They will play in the PK-80 Invitational. They're going to play Alabama in Birmingham. They are going to be a traveling circus over the first probably six weeks of the season. We'll see. 
With Gonzaga, they're one of those programs. It always comes down to what they do in March, and we'll see if they ultimately have success. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, That was part one of the most intriguing storylines in college basketball. Remember, practice started today. We're going to come back, take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about parts uh, six through 10. We're going to talk about Arkansas. We're going to talk about Indiana, my boy, Mike Effin Woodson. We're going to talk about some other conferences, some other players, some other coaches. Take a quick break. We will be right back. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's continue the conversation on the 10 Biggest storylines in college basketball. For people wondering why you're talking college basketball on September 27th, AT, well, the answer is pretty straightforward. Monday was the first official day of practice. Again, this is just to kind of get the brain moving, get the wheels processing upstairs, uh, because college basketball is coming. We are six weeks away, and we're going to have plenty of preseason coverage here on the Aratora Sports Podcast. We went through... Uh, Storylines number one through five a moment ago. We talked about North Carolina trying to finish the job. Duke with John Shire. Kentucky going for number nine. SEC basketball on the way up. And of course, Gonzaga trying to get number one in program history. Let's keep the conversation going at number six. And I just mentioned a minute ago that uh, we would have a separate section just on Arkansas. We talked SEC. We talked Kentucky. I said we'd have a separate section just on Arkansas. And it's for one simple reason. They are one of the more fascinating programs coming into college basketball this year. I think by now everybody knows the story. Um, incredible just kind of three, four-year renaissance for this program. Eric Musselman comes back-to-back Elite Eights over the last two seasons. Um, and this year there is real buzz and real excitement that this program could get over that Elite Eight hump into a Final Four. And I think it can absolutely happen. Now, uh, one, a couple things. One, they did lose basically everybody off of last year's Elite Eight team. But it is worth noting, they lost most everybody off of the previous year's Elite Eight team and got back to the Elite Eight a season ago. So two guys are back. 
I will mention both guys actually played pretty well on Kentucky, on, on uh, excuse me, Arkansas's overseas trip. Kamani Johnson, a big guy, and Devo Davis, a guy that I really expected to break out last year, looked really, really, really good overseas with Arkansas. But you know who else really looked good? The transfers and the freshmen. Much like I just mentioned a minute ago with Kentucky that Jacob Toppin, an older player I expect to break out, the name to keep an eye on at Arkansas. We're going to talk a lot about the freshmen, but it is Trevon Brazil, transfer from Missouri. I said it after their summer tour. I don't really remember him at Missouri, and shame on me. Now, shame on Missouri for not giving me a reason to watch, but this kid is big. He's athletic. He finishes and dunks everything around the rim. I think the stat was he shot 93% from the field on uh, on Arkansas's overseas tour. And so that shows you how talented this kid is, how good he is, and what a finisher he is at the rim. Super long, super athletic, blocks a lot of shots. And even though he's new to Arkansas, brings, I guess you would call it a pseudo-veteran presence to the Razorbacks, who, of course, are going to be relying a lot on that freshman class as well. The other big name out of the transfer portal to know, I think, is probably going to be Ricky Council from Wichita State. He's another guy that I believe can play in the NBA at some point. Trevon Brazil, I'm just saying, write it down now. That kid could be a first-rounder maybe as early as this year. Speaking of first-rounders as early as this year, well, Arkansas has six top 100 high school players that have come in, including three McDonald's All-Americans. I've talked about them a lot. Nick Smith Jr., maybe the potential number one pick in the 2023 NBA draft. You watch him, about 6'4", 6'5", just super long, super athletic, handles the ball, shoots threes, prototypical NBA kind of hybrid player in this era. Anthony Black, another guy, 6'6", 6'7", more of a point guard. Um, and really talented player, Jordan Walsh, talented as well. And then you got the three other guys. And I give Arkansas fans credit. They have stayed on me. Hey, Torres, you talk so much about the McDonald's All-Americans. Do not forget about the other three who could be difference makers. Joseph Pinion, a shooter. Darian Ford, just a crazy athlete. Um, you know, uh, you know, big physical play. He's not big as in like six, eight, six, nine. He's about a six, three, six, four guard, but, but, but played football has that kind of football toughness to him. And then finally Barry Dunning, who, if you follow the Arkansas social media accounts can jump, can leap and was probably one of these surprise players for Arkansas's overseas foreign tour. I think the big question with Arkansas right now, how do you manage minutes for all those guys? They really have probably 12, 13 guys that can and maybe should play this year. I think it'll be fascinating but the one thing I'll say, we've learned this with Eric Musselman. If you're good enough, you will play. Remember, two years ago uh, in the first Elite Eight run, it was the freshman, Devo Davis, Jalen Williams, and Moses Moody, who really carried that team. Um, and, and, you know, Eric Musselman, just, he just wants the best players on the floor. Last year, Trey Wade was a guy that was at the end of the bench to start the season. He plays a key role late. Going to be fascinating to watch this team going forward. Number seven in terms of the most intriguing storylines in college basketball coming into this year. Let's stick with another team that is super interesting with super high expectations that's trying to get back to the way things were in the early 90s. How about them Indiana Hoosiers? How about my boy, Mike Effin Woodson? That's right, Mike Effin Woodson, my guy. Listen, I think everybody knows the story, but when he was hired, I was not a fan. And I have spent the last year and a half uh, worshiping at the altar of Woodson, having to readily admit that I was dead wrong on this guy. Look, year one, he does take a lot of Archie Miller's players. 
gets them to the NCAA tournament. They rally late. Couple really nice wins in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they beat Michigan. They beat Illinois, the number one seed. They had Iowa on the ropes in the Big Ten tournament, almost won that game as well. Get to the tournament, play in the first four against Wyoming. They end up losing in the opening round of the tournament itself. But there is a lot of excitement at Indiana this year. A lot of really talented players coming back. Xavier Johnson, the point guard who I thought really put that team on his back late last season. He is back. Trace Jackson Davis, who could be a national player of the year candidate, certainly a Big Ten player of the year favorite, maybe alongside Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. Um, really talented. And then, you know, you kind of have a cool combination at Indiana of on top of those two guys who I do think are the stars of Indiana. You have a couple returnees who I think could take a step up. Tamar Bates is a former top 30, top 40-ish type recruit who I think could make a leap. Jordan Geronimo is a guy that has shown a lot of upside. Um, but then you have two really, really good freshmen on top of that in, uh, in Malik Renault and also Jalen hood Shafino. Jalen hood Shafino, top 20 prospect. Um, I've heard nothing but really good things about this guy. He could provide some perimeter help alongside Xavier Johnson. Really interesting year in Indiana. I know it's been a struggle. I know they haven't been great. I'll also tell you this. They haven't had this much talent in a very long time. And I don't think the Big Ten has been as down as it is coming into this year in a really long time. Uh, Indiana is up, but Ohio State should take a step back. Oh, uh, Illinois lost a ton. Michigan State lost a ton. Michigan actually lost a ton, even though they bring back Hunter Dickinson. So you look at the Big Ten. Outside Indiana, I think that league is very much up for grabs. And I think Indiana is the rightful favorite in that conference. Let's keep it going at number eight. Some new blood potentially at the top of the sport. So it's interesting, right? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get the first AP poll, the first coaches poll. I think you're going to see two teams in the top five that are not traditionally there. One is Houston, the Cougars. You know, I love me some Cougars. Two, the Creighton Blue Jays out of the Big East. And these are two teams, I'm telling you, that can legitimately compete at the highest levels of the sport. As I just told you a minute ago, Houston alongside Gonzaga are actually the co-favorites in the Betfred Sportsbook right now in terms of the best odds to win the national championship. With Houston, I love this team. They might be my pick. I, I haven't made my official picks yet. I'll give them to you later on down the road. But Houston might ultimately be my pick because you look at them. Remember, they go to a Final Four during the COVID year in 2020. Last year, they lose their two best players during the season. Marcus Sasser, an 18-point-a-game scorer. Tremont Mark, a double-figure scorer. They ended up going to the Elite Eight, played Villanova to go to the Final Four. That was after losing their two best players. And the thing I love about Houston, I always talk about it, they know who they are. They are tougher than you. They are more physical than you. They are going to beat you up. They are going to make you uncomfortable. And if you watch their tournament game against, uh, against Arizona in the Sweet 16, against Illinois in the round of 32, nobody does it better. And so you have a couple guys that really elevated their game during that tournament run last year, Jamal Shedd, a point guard. And now you got two really good players coming back, including Marcus Sasser, who I wish he was on a little bit of a bigger stage because I believe that's a guy that could, frankly, be a national player of the year candidate almost actually even post-injury, entered the NBA draft, was really moving up draft boards before deciding to come back. Marcus Sasser and Houston are really good, and so too are the Creighton Blue Jays. Remember, Creighton was the team 
They played uh, Kansas in the second round. They gave Kansas as much trouble as anyone in the tournament last year. And remember, they were down three key players in that game, including two starters. They lost their starting point guard, Ryan Nemhard. They lost their backup point guard, Sharif Mitchell. And they had lost their starting center in the opening round of the tournament, Ryan Kalkbrenner. And they gave Kansas a run for their money. Well, that team, which was really young, started three freshmen and a sophomore in Kalkbrenner last year. They got four starters back. The only starter they need to replace, they added Baylor Shireman, the kid from South Dakota State, who was very coveted. Kentucky wanted him. Arizona wanted him. Gonzaga wanted him. Arkansas wanted him, et cetera. He ends up at Creighton, and he's going to be playing alongside a really good uh, really good center named Ryan Kalkbrenner, as I just said. Uh, Arthur Kaluma, I think, is the player to know there. He is an NBA player with an NBA-type body. Uh, talked to Greg McDermott a little bit during the offseason. He said, look, this kid could have gone pro, but he doesn't want to go to the NBA and make the NBA. He wants to go to the NBA and stay in the NBA, comes back for one more season. Creighton has a chance to be really good. Do not be surprised to see them in Houston at the Final Four. Let's keep it going, and let's stay in the Big East at number nine. And, you know, Creighton is probably going to be the favorite in the Big East. But I will tell you, you talk about a fascinating conference in college basketball. The Big East is it. Okay, so first of all, Creighton is probably the preseason favorite for what I just told you. But then on top of that, you have Villanova. Don't forget, little guy named Jay Wright decided to retire last offseason, which I I hope he's enjoying the beach. I hope he's enjoying doing whatever Jay Wright does in retirement. Uh, By the way, wouldn't be surprised if he comes back coaches in the NBA someday. But with that said, um, I, uh, you know, I, I look at the situation at Villanova and we don't know what to expect from Kyle Neptune, but he was there. And this is the important part. He is a guy that knows that program well, and he knows the players well, and he returns a lot from last year. That final four team by technicality returns three starters. Now, one of them, uh, Justin Moore did get hurt in that elite eight game, unfortunate Achilles injury. We don't know when he will be back, but he does want to try and get back this year. But you bring back Brandon Slater, you bring back Caleb Daniels. People forget this. They had a freshman last year named Jordan Longino, who was playing at an elite level before he got hurt prior to the tournament. And Villanova has a dynamic freshman named Cam Whitmore coming in as well. So Villanova is fascinating. My UConn Huskies, I think I think UConn, and I know I, I say it all the time, I think they have the chance to be one of the most underrated teams in college basketball. They have maybe the best, you know, uh, I don't want to say one of the best players, but Adama Sonogo was an all Big East first team member a year ago. He is back at center. They have two guys that I believe could compete for NBA, you know, maybe not lottery, but first round type players. Andre Jackson, a third year forward, and Jordan Hawkins, a second year guard, who I think could absolutely break out this year. They added a couple key guys in the transfer portal, most notably Tristan Newton, a player from East Carolina who averaged like 17, five and five, uh, added a kid from AM, added a kid from Virginia Tech, Joey Calcaterra from San Diego, who I think will be a good addition. They actually added two foreign players late as well. Really fascinated by them. I think UConn has a chance to be really good. I'll tell you who else I'm really interested by. Don't forget about Seton Hall. Member Shaheen Holloway led St. Peter's to that Elite Eight run. We all remember it. It was all magical. That coach is now at his alma mater, Seton Hall. um, And they did a great job in the transfer portal as well, adding a few guys there. 
So you talk about a team that I am fascinated by. Seton Hall is there. Providence is actually the reigning regular season champs. They hit the portal hard, added four or five difference makers. Devin Carter from South Carolina. Uh, Corey Floyd actually from UConn. Uh, you know, a couple others, Noah Locke from Louisville. So Providence will be interesting. St. John's with Andre Curbelo, the transfer from Illinois will be interesting. You talk about a fascinating league. This league, I think as weird as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, it's an 11 team league. I think it could have six, seven NCAA tournament bids. And really quickly, I'll wrap. I'm going to give you a team that I don't think is getting enough national attention that I think has a chance to be really good this year. That is Mick Cronin's UCLA Bruins. Big Mick energy, baby. That is freaking right, okay? So UCLA did lose a couple key players, most notably Johnny Juzang. But they did bring back Jaime Jaquez, guy who averaged 14 points, five and a half rebounds per game last year, second leading scorer, leading rebounder. He was playing on a bad ankle all season long and nobody knew about it. They're bringing back a fourth-year point guard in Tiger Campbell, but of equal importance, by the way, they're adding a, a couple other pieces too. Uh, Jalen Clark is really good. Uh, uh, David Singleton is like a fifth-year player that's just a role player, knows his role. But what I would say, why it is so interesting to me, they added two really good freshmen um, over the offseason. They added Amari Bailey. If you don't know his mom, you can look him up. That's kind of what he's known for right now. Uh, but really talented guard, first-round potential. And a Dembona, if you remember, came down to UCLA and Kentucky for a Dembona. He chooses UCLA. I will tell you, I've heard from within that program. They told me, they said, we've been at UCLA for four years. So, this was a guy who had been kind of in that Cincinnati ecosystem. Uh, he said, we never had a player like him at Cincinnati. We have not had a player like him at UCLA either. So UCLA is a team. I know you don't pay attention to the Pac-12, even though they're going to the Big Ten. I know a lot of people overlook West Coast basketball. I think UCLA has a chance to be really, really, really good, kind of on the same vein of the, of the Pac-12. I think Arizona is going to be really interesting. Three starters or three of their top six back from that team that was a number one seed last year, but they obviously lost a ton of talent with Ben Matherin, Dalen Terry, and Christian Coloco going to the NBA. Arizona does have Courtney Ramey, the transfer coming in from Texas. That is in addition to Kirk Risa, Asulis Tubelis, and Umar Balo returning for another season Whew, that was a lot of college hoops you're not going to find better college hoops content in september anywhere than the air tour sports podcast that is my promise to you and my other promise to you is that as we get closer to the season we'll ramp things up maybe get a couple of our buddies on the show a couple of our favorite coaches to dissect the season that is to come but i think there's a lot of really good storylines going into the season and we'll cover it all as we get closer this is what i'm going to do though I do want to take a quick break, and I do want to get to one football story from today. That is because another Power 5 school, Georgia Tech, has fired its head coach. Jeff Collins is out at Georgia Tech. What does it mean? How good is that job? And I think that's an interesting conversation. We're going to discuss all that, take a quick break, and you know what? Guess where I'm going to be? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Uh, and I do want to wrap, right? We did a lot of college fo- college basketball to lead the show. I do want to talk a little college football where we got more news from the college football coaching carousel on Monday. And what I will tell you, if you love this sport, get ready because this is the new reality of college football, okay? The reality of college football is with this early signing period Uh, in place in early to mid-December, you can no longer wait until the end of the year to fire a coach if you know he's not coming back. And so last year we saw Clay Hilton fired in in week two and Orgeron fired by mid-October. And this year we have already seen Scott Frost let go, Herm Edwards let go. You know, Brian Harson is hanging on by a string at Auburn. And on Monday, we had yet another head coach let go. As we went for Brian Harson, we already had two, Scott Frost and Herm Edwards. And a third coach was let go. Jeff Collins fired at Georgia Tech. It is worth noting the AD who hired him, Todd Stansberry, was let go as well. Georgia Tech, the third power five school to let go of its head coach. And what I would say about this one, you know, this is one where I really have no super strong opinion about it. Um, You know, no super emotional attachment, right? I think we all kind of wanted Scott Frost to work at Nebraska you know, native son returning to his school, all that good stuff. I think we all liked Coach O. We wanted to see that one work. This one, you know, th- there really is no, I don't think any real argument that that Jeff Collins should have been kept. Now, I will say uh, he did not inherit an easy situation. For people who do not remember, prior to him at Georgia Tech, Paul Johnson was the head coach. He was a triple option coach. And so when Jeff Collins took over, he had the unenviable task of basically revamping the entire roster on the fly. When you run the triple option, you need a running quarterback. You need wide receivers that can block. You need smaller offensive linemen to get downfield and block up field. And when he came in, he was tasked with basically completely revamping the program. And it was a really tough assignment. At the same time, it is worth noting that through three and a half years, he had gone 10 and 28, 7 and 19 in the ACC. And it's not as though Paul Johnson left a complete mess at Georgia Tech. Paul Johnson, in 11 years there, went to nine bowl games, including his final season. So I'm not saying that it was one of those deals where it was a super easy rebuild and this guy didn't need time, Jeff Collins. But this is now year four, three and nine, three and seven, three and nine, one and three. And you're just now getting into the heart of the ACC. Um, and I, I, it just, it felt like it was time. It felt like it was not working. And, you know, to quote Trev Alberts, the Nebraska AD, when he fired Scott Frost, it just feels like you needed another voice in that locker room. So I am not surprised. 
Now, what will be interesting is what happens next to Georgia Tech, because this is low-key, one of the more intriguing job openings, I believe, in college football, because it has a lot of real positives and a lot of real negatives as well for the next head coach. I think there's a lot of people across college football that believe this is potentially a sleeping giant in college football. And it's for one really obvious reason. It's in the heart of maybe the most talent rich city in America in terms of high school football recruiting Atlanta, Georgia. Listen, you don't need me to tell you the stats and the analytics and the data, but Atlanta is right up there with Houston and Miami and Los Angeles in terms of the volume of high school players that come out of Atlanta, right? So, you know, a job like Nebraska opens and you sit there and say, how good is it really in a world where they have two, three, four real high major recruits in the entire state of Nebraska on any given year? Well, Atlanta has 25, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 in most years. Um, and so it is a job where with the right coach, you can go in and recruit and be in a place to have success right away. I say it all the time. We talk about good job, bad job, this job, that job in college football. The best jobs are the ones where you have the access to the most good players. And there aren't many that have more access to more good players than Georgia Tech. And even if you want to argue that they are in a city that is surrounded by Bulldogs fans and, you know, right down the road is the reigning national champion recruiting at an insane level, I would say Georgia only has 25 scholarships and Georgia really has taken on a national recruiting approach over the last couple of years where, yes, they're still going to get their guys out of Georgia, but they really go all over the country uh, to, to look for players that they believe can come in and be difference makers for this program. Brock Bowers, that tight end that everybody loves, he's from California, okay? Keely Ringo, the star cornerback, who I believe is going to be the no, uh, number one pick. He's not going to be the number one pick, but he's going to be a first-round pick this year. He's from the state of Arizona. So Georgia has very much become a national recruiting team. They want the best players from wherever. They'll go wherever. They're going to supplement it with Georgia prospects. But even if Georgia took 25 guys out of the city, the state of Georgia – there's still plenty left over for Georgia Tech. And that's why it's so intriguing. Like I said, whether it's Nebraska, Colorado, Washington, I mean, there's a lot of really good historical jobs that don't have the recruiting advantages built in that Georgia Tech does. And that is why it is so intriguing. But it's also worth noting, by the way, and I do think this is important, that there are a lot of disadvantages with Georgia Tech as well. First of all, I just talked about one of them. Basically, I just told you right there. Yes, Georgia Tech is in one of the most talent-rich areas in the country, if not the most talent-rich area in the country. The flip side to that is it's in the heart of SEC country where everybody recruits out of Atlanta. Auburn is obviously just down the road from Atlanta. Uh, Alabama is obviously going to come into Atlanta and recruit. Clemson isn't in the SEC, but they come in and recruit. Tennessee comes in and recruits. Um, you know, Florida, Florida State, Miami, doesn't matter who. Everybody recruits Atlanta, and so it makes it that much tougher. And then on top of that, there are other variables that, that need to be talked about when it comes to this job, the main one being academics. Now, what I've been told, I, I did some homework. You know, It was kind of one of these jobs that you knew was probably going to open up. And so I made a few calls, talked to some people that would be in the know. And the sentiment that I got is that as far as the academics are concerned at Georgia Tech, it's a little bit different than some other places, right? There's some places that it's just really hard to get good football players, good athletes with questionable grades into school. 
It's something that every Notre Dame coach of my lifetime, dating back to Lou Holtz 30 years ago, has been complaining about. Uh, Stanford. I've talked to coaches at Stanford that are just like, it doesn't matter how good you are, how far you can throw a football, how high your vertical leap is, how fast you can throw a fastball. If you don't have the grades, you can't, you, we cannot get you into Stanford. And so I bring it up because my understanding is that Georgia Tech is not a place where you can't get kids into school, period. The problem does become what happens once they get there. It's an engineering school, and there aren't a lot of majors for kids who don't take academics seriously and don't want to major in engineering, right? And so, you know, this isn't a, a, a public school like Georgia or Alabama or LSU or Ohio State where there's a bunch of sociology degrees and, and you know, whatever. Basically, once you get them into school, the degree limitation, I think, does hurt recruiting a little bit. The other thing that I found really interesting, I was talking to my buddy Garrett Carr, who, again, I, I told you the other day, writes for Aaron Torres Online, does a really good job. Uh, Garrett brought up this point. I confirmed it. It's really interesting. About 65, 66%, two out of three students at Georgia Tech is male. Now, you might sit there and say, that's not a big deal. Who cares? Blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you, I know in this PC world, you're not allowed to say stuff like that. It does matter to high school football players. Not all of them. Not all of them. Now, look, BYU has a great football team right now. So clearly, um, you know, the male-female population uh, is not important to everybody, but it does matter to some high school recruits. By the way, it matters to some professional athletes, too. There's a reason NBA players don't want to play in Utah in Minnesota, in Milwaukee, in Cleveland, do want to play in Miami, Los Angeles, Houston. I'm just saying that that is a factor in this as well, is that you have academic restrictions. It is a male-oriented school. So take that information as what you want, but there are real pluses and there are real minuses to the Georgia Tech job. So the question becomes now, who do you go after? And I do think this is one where there is one very obvious name, that is impossible to miss. Um, and I think it's Deion Sanders. And listen, we talked a lot about Deion last week on this show about the Auburn job. Basically, I said, look, Auburn's not open, but it's going to open. Go get Deion. He would kill in the SEC. He would kill in recruiting. And a lot of the same variables come into play with Deion. But what makes this one different is I think there are a lot of jobs that Deion will be a call. I do think Deion should be the first call in this one for one very specific reason. And there is actually a chance that he, he says yes. And that reason is pretty straightforward. He's obviously got a lot of ties to the city of Atlanta. I know there's a lot of young people that listen to this show that don't remember. He is not only a former Atlanta Falcon, he is also a former Atlanta Brave. And while DJ, uh, while Deion Sanders' name resonates everywhere, it is a little bit different in Atlanta. He is an icon in that city. And I think while Deion could recruit anywhere in the country, I do think that he would have a spe you know, special cachet and extra cachet in the city of Atlanta, where he played Major League Baseball and NFL football. I think he could go into any high school, get a sit down with any recruit, any coach. Any coach is going to say, hey, you got to at least meet with Dion. Parents are going to love him. I think it would be great. And then, as I told you with Auburn, the actual win-loss record speaks for itself. 15-2 and two since the start of last season. One of those losses was to an FBS team. Remember, he's at Jackson State. And keep in mind this, he has proven the ability to recruit high-level players. It's not just because he's at a lower level or this or that or the other thing. This is a guy that got the number one high school player in America to flip from Florida State, beat Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Mike Norvell out for the number one player in America. 
They also got a four-star wide receiver later on in the cycle as well that was a top 100 prospect. And so if Dion can do that at Jackson State, he can certainly do it in the ACC at Georgia Tech at a school that competes at the highest level of college football with Clemson, with Miami, with Florida State, et cetera. What will be interesting to see about Dion is a couple of things. One, as great as that recruiting is, does he see those restrictions and say, eh, you know, I don't know if this is the one for me. And I think that's going to be the interesting conversation just about Dion in general as he looks at the next step of his career. I think everybody knows he interviewed for several power five jobs, including Arkansas, I guess, when they hired Sam Pittman, including TCU within the last year. But I think now that he has things rolling at Jackson State, I think he is going to be very particular about the jobs that he takes seriously in terms of actually interviewing for, okay, uh, and, and, and serious in terms of actually taking. He's got it rolling at Jackson State. I think he loves that narrative of restoring the HBCUs. Um, and what I would also say on top of that is I just don't know how many of these jobs really interest him. And is Georgia Tech, as great as the recruiting is, in a city that he loves, is it enough to get him to leave? I do not know couple other names that I do think are a factor with Georgia Tech. One, I'll say it. I think this guy has been overhyped in terms of being a candidate at most places. I do think Bill O'Brien, the Alabama offensive coordinator, makes sense. And if you follow this college football coaching carousel stuff, Bill, I don't know who Bill O'Brien's agent is, but give this guy credit. He must get paid per mention because every job that has opened the last two, three years, LSU, Nebraska this year, um, I can't even remember Miami, maybe Florida. Bill O'Brien's name was it was listed with all of them, USC. And it's like Bill O'Brien is not a candidate at all these places. I do think Georgia Tech makes sense, though. He was an assistant coach there for eight years before going to the NFL with Bill Belichick. And I do think he's familiar with the school. It's kind of a rebuild. He had that big rebuild at Penn State where he really got things off the ground post Joe Paterno. And so I'm not saying it will happen. But this is one of the few that does make a lot of sense for me to Bill O'Brien because he has the ties. He has the rebuilding experience. I do think being a former Alabama assistant would bring, you know, kind of cliche, uh, cliche, cachet, excuse me, to the coaching job at Georgia Tech. So I think he's one to keep an eye on. A couple other names. You know, I, I was actually thinking about this. I think this is a spot that makes sense for Dan Mullen. Listen, we know Dan Mullen isn't going to do TV for the next 30 years. He's working at ESPN right now. And for all of the struggles that he had at the end of his Florida reign, um, you know, one, he was actually pretty good at Florida the first few years, 10 and three, 11 and two, started eight and one his third year before it completely fell off. And then it really fell apart last year. But he was really good at Mississippi State. And I do wonder, is this the right spot for him? We know Dan Mullen is not a guy that is going to be super successful in a, in a fishbowl type job like Florida, like a major SEC school. But he was really good at Mississippi State where he was off the grid, where there weren't those national title expectations. And does this spot make sense for him? Now, the one thing about Dan Mullen, he doesn't love to recruit, so he'd have to hire himself a darn good recruiting staff. But he's a guy that, in my opinion, makes sense. Hugh Freeze, friend of the Aaron Torres pod. I've had him on a few times. Um, you know, this is one where I think Hugh Freeze is going to get one of these big time jobs this year. I, I just think he's been successful at Liberty for long enough. Ten and one two seasons ago, three and one this year. They actually played uh, Wake Forest the other day as tough as Clemson did. They lost by one to Wake Forest. Clemson holds on to win in overtime. So I think this might be a landing spot for Hugh Freeze. 
Now, again, you know, does he look for kind of like Dion? Does he look for something that that maybe is a little bit more, um, you know, he, he has SEC ties. Does he want to stay in the SEC footprint? I think he is a major player at Auburn if and when it opens. I know for a fact there are important people at Auburn that want that guy to be the next head coach. But he's a guy, you know, maybe Auburn doesn't open. Maybe somehow Brian Harson goes on a run and they beat everybody but Georgia and Alabama and they go nine and three. I don't think it's going to happen, but who knows? And so if maybe Georgia, maybe Auburn doesn't open, maybe this is a spot that makes sense for he freeze. Jamie Chadwell, I would add too. Um, of course, the uh, actually uh, another friend of the Aaron Torres pod. Uh, he is at Coastal Carolina, really successful the last couple of years. Uh, he is, if you remember back to the COVID season, uh, he was a guy that had uh, had Coastal Carolina rolling. They went 11 and one during the COVID season, 11 and two last year, four and oh this year. Uh, it's very well noted. His wife has historically said that she does not want to leave the southeast portion of the country. That's where he spent most of his career. So does that one make sense for Jamie Chadwell? Really fun offense. I think that's the thing that you could sell is I can I I put up a lot of points. Uh, we're going to score a ton. And uh, I think that sells with recruits. And I think that is a name that makes sense. But I'm telling you, you know, you got to put all your eggs in the Dion basket and make him say no. And then after that, I do think it gets really interesting with Hugh Freeze, with Dan Mullen. Finally, what I would also say is the most important part of this whole conversation is who is actually making the hire. Never forget the AD got fired as well. So I think you got to get an AD in place before you make the head coaching hire. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. What a Tuesday episode. Did AT do it again, baby, or did AT do it again? Fun episode. Uh, it is time for me to get out of here, though. I got some stuff to take care of. Monday night football to watch. Uh, I'm going to get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind you, make sure to subscribe. Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're also subscribed on YouTube. Aaron Torres, all you got to do is look up YouTube. YouTube channel is rolling. We're over 13,000 subscribers. I appreciate everybody's support there. Also, make sure to, uh, I, I, all that stuff. I already said it. Subscribe, rate, review, do what you do. Help your boy Torres out. We're going to get some of these tech things figured out here over the next day or two. Uh, but excited for this next chapter of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So that is all for today's show. Time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. I'm out of here. I'll be back on Wednesday. New episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.